podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ready? Play. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whatever time it is, wherever in the world you are tuning in from. Get in the live chat and let me know your thoughts on today's final between Novak Djokovic and Stefanos Tsitsipas. Let me know your thoughts on how the match unfolded and maybe also your thoughts on how 2023 and perhaps even Novak's year and maybe even Steph's year as well is also going to unfold. Get in the live chat, as I say, or in the comments below if you're watching retrospectively. I may say hello and I may drop into the live chat from time to time. But uh, more importantly, I will uh, react to many of your comments at the end of today's show. Okay, so let's get into it. Um, First of all, uh, let's get up an image that Novak himself uh, shared on uh, Twitter today. Uh, Let's do that right now, because uh, he's, of course, now has won 22 Grand Slam titles. This is the image he has here. Uh, with him wearing the jacket, of course, with 22, and also showing how he has won 22. And the reason I'm showing this one in particular is I do think it's the 22nd Grand Slam for him, which means more, if that makes sense, than the 10th Australian Open title. Of course, it's nice to go into double figures, and I did see one or two members of his team or people nearby his team with the 10 T-shirt. But I think it's significant that he's wearing a jacket with 2022 with 22 on it. And I think it's significant that he writes that tweet because I think for him and his fans as well, it's the 22 figure that means most. Because, of course, that now ties him with Rafael Nadal in that count. Whereas the 10, listen, he's already several ahead of Roger in terms of Australian Open crowns. He's already several ahead of anyone else in the Australian Open count, if you like. So it's the it's the figure of 2022 that I think is more significant than anything else for anyone else than him and also his fans tying now with Roger, uh, sorry, with Rafa on that count. And I think we'll come to that broader point uh, right now. How do you see the slam race? Is it now a slam dunk? excuse the pun, for Novak? Is he going to race ahead of Rafa and end up winning 24, 25, 26, or whatever slams? And Rafa is stuck on 22. Will Rafa get to 23? Of course, we've got the French Open next, and we all know how dominant historically Rafa has been there. But there are so many question marks surrounding Rafa and his immediate and even long-term future in the sport. So perhaps maybe... We're thinking that actually it'll be Novak that goes into that as favourite. I think, of course, it's going to be a bit of a sticky period now for Novak because in March and April he will, as things stand, not be able to compete in the US for the Sunshine Double. So no Masters 1000 there. Will Rafa try and come back for Indian Wells? Will How will the clay season pan out? I mean, so many questions and 
so few answers right now. But yeah, Novak is almost certainly in the driving seat when it comes to, um, yeah, the upcoming slam race, if you like, I would suggest. Um, what are your thoughts anyway on the final? Let me know uh, how you feel it when were you a little bit disappointed in uh in how it went for uh novak i can see by the way i'm looking at the poll that i've put on uh youtube right now we've got 25 plus uh would seem to be the most likely outcome in terms of what you guys are thinking i can see 67 percent of vote for that with 33 percent um going for 24 at the moment so yeah uh, keep voting in that, and maybe I'll come back to that later on. Okay, uh, slam race for now at least. Tick. Um, let's look at the match. Uh, basically, Steph makes a slow start, gets broken in the first set, and regarding the first set, that was pretty much it, winning it 6-3 Novak. When things got interesting was the second set. I mean, many of us probably, me in particular anyway, thought that he was going to have to win <laughs> the first set, uh, Steph, if he was going to stand a chance of winning the match. And it did pan out that way. But the second set, I used the word intriguing on the stream, the 7-6 set here, because there were very few break opportunities, if you like. Stefanos maybe was posing a few more questions in this set. And I know Damien on the stream thought that Stefanos was playing better um, during the second set. And therefore, at least on the court, in pure basic terms, perhaps went in as the favorite for that tiebreak or certainly went into the, into the tiebreak with as many opportunities as Novak. But of course, he did have a set point as well. Uh, at 30-40, because Novak was serving to stay in that set, always behind in terms of the scoreboard because he was serving second. 30-40, we talked about that point as well on the stream. Stefanos maybe could have just turned up the notch in terms of aggression on that set point. It wasn't like he really had a chance to pull the trigger and refrain from doing so, but a little bit like a Hatchinoff thing where Hatchinoff sometimes just turns up the knob a little bit during some of these rallies, and maybe Stefanos could have done so, but maybe we're also being harsh, and maybe we're clutching at straws a little bit. Going into the tiebreak, one thing he couldn't afford to do was to go 4-1 down, which is exactly what happened. Then gets it back to 4-all, and really, this tiebreak was all about a theme that recurred during the match. I thought Stefanos played really well, by the way, today. I think he had an incredible backhand day, which is really the part of the game that we're maybe most concerned for. But where he was off was the forehand, and none more so than in that tiebreak where there were four forehand errors. And I've got the unforced errors here on the forehand side alone from Steph in the whole match. 26 forehand unforced errors. So we've got total unforced errors here. 36 from, from Stefanos. You would expect many on the backhand. There were a few volleys as well at the net, but it was the forehand unforced errors count that basically cost him the match today. 26 off the racket of Stefanos and just four off the racket of Novak. 
and four of these unforced errors came in that second set tiebreak. We had a double fault, by the way, from Novak. We were talking about how Novak goes into lockdown mode, as he often does, and just doesn't do unforced errors. Hi, Elena. Nice to uh, see you in on the chat, by the way. Um, hi, John. Think that Steph did not play well at uh, the big points. Yeah, uh, quite possibly. I would agree with that. What I would say, though, is actually Steph did play well in probably every single part of his game. You know, the, the serve was pretty good. The backhand did not let him down today. I don't think he was too nervous. I think he played as well as he possibly could have done with the exception of that second set tiebreak and probably the forehand in general in terms of the unforced errors. So he loses that second set tiebreak and you're thinking it's done, probably. And you're awaiting the early break from Novak in the third set. But that is not what happened. What happened in the third set was an early break for Stefanos. But he doesn't consolidate the break. He goes one love up with the break. But a Novak immediately breaks back. Sitsipalas is a play with a weak backhand. He is not complete. Uh, I agree with that. You're Georgia, and I hope I'm saying your name right. Uh, by the way, those of you that are just joining, make sure you hit the like button. And please subscribe to the channel. And you can be like Elena, by the way. You can become a member as well by hitting the join button below. And then you can enjoy some of the perks and benefits that we are soon going to be offering our members. Also, you are free to jump in with a super chat to donate to the channel to help us keep going. But Georgia, great that you got in there. I agree with you that the backhand and the return, maybe from a global point of view, may well mean, may mean, and I know Eleanor uh, as a Greek won't like me saying this, but may mean Stefanos Tsitsipas never wins a Grand Slam. Let me know as well. That was that was the second possible poll I could write and, and post and suggest Will Stefanos Tsitsipas ever win a Grand Slam? I would go with yes, but with each final, such as today, and each semi-final, such as uh, I remember one, at least one French Open semi-final, and about, I think, three Australian Open semi-finals, I'm going to say defeats. With each one of those near misses that goes by, you do wonder if Stefanos Tsitsipas' day. And also, more importantly, the years tick by, but also Holger Rune, Carlos Alcaraz, um, maybe even a Jack Draper, maybe even a, a, a Sebi Corder. You know, they're going to be in the equation and they're coming past. I would say the same for Alex Fedev. You know, how many more opportunities are these guys going to get? Fedev, of course, has been injured for the, la the best part of the last seven or eight months. You wonder. Anyway, hit that like button and uh, subscribe to the channel if you are new. So third set, uh, one game all. And really now, both players nip and tuck. I think Steph did really, really well when he's serving to stay in the match, particularly at 30 all at 4-5. And, and Novak was just two points away. Uh, but he kept his cool. Unbelievably so. But you can't afford to go love five down in a tiebreak, as he did in the third set tiebreak. Did well to get it back to 5-3. Novak then ekes it out to 6-3. Did well to get it back to 6-5, in a way, holding his two serves on the first two championship points. But Novak, just too good. 
too good on the day and too good in general. And of course, now Novak Djokovic is the world number one once again. And I think I saw a stat that suggested he will remain number one in the world no matter what happens until at least the beginning of March. Carlos Alcaraz, by the way, congratulated Novak on uh, that number one title and also the the obviously winning today's uh, Australian Open final. I might even bring that tweet up because um, I think that's quite nice of Alcaraz to acknowledge not only the title that um, Djokovic has won, but also the fact that, of course, he has usurped him as number one. Let's get that up on there on the screen there for you. Let's share that. Uh, it's a nice image as well of them in Madrid last year uh, that he's sharing where, obviously, <laughs> Alcaraz won that match. But uh, congratulations, Novak, for the Australian Open and the world number one. Very well deserved. Hope to see you soon on court. Uh, I would love to see this match again uh, sometime in 2023. I think it's inevitable. They're just too good not to continuously meet each other. Uh, but Carlos, yeah, congratulating Novak on that. Um, yes, if the Ultra Next Gen do not catch up indeed. But yeah, we'll see. Get voting, by the way. I will consult that again very soon. Uh, get voting in the poll I've posted regarding number of slams you expect Novak to win. So congratulations to Novak Djokovic on his 10th Australian Open. But like I said at the beginning of the show, I do think it is the 22 that means most. And now he's level with Rafa. Listen, it's not done and dusted. A year ago, or just over a year ago, uh, when Novak was winning three of the four slams in 2021 and Rafa was struggling with injury, I thought that it was done. Going into that US Open final, I think I thought that I think I thought that uh, Novak would win the fourth Grand Slam of the year in his 21st title. As it turned out, he had to wait a while before getting that because uh, Rafa won the first two slams of 2022. I didn't. I thought that was it. But then Rafa comes back, wins those two, and I'm thinking, oh, game on. Now I'm thinking once again, maybe it's done and dusted for Novak. But who knows? Rafa wins in France, and we're back on for the game on, in my opinion. Right now, even though it's 22 each, it does feel as though the momentum is with Novak, not least because three out of the four slams every year, he would probably go in as favourite. And it looks like he is on for many more years to come. He said in his press conference, this is not it. I'm hungry for more. By the way, Goran Ivanisevic, uh, Djokovic's coach, also said that um, it was a constant concern throughout the tournament, his hamstring, just knowing that it could go at any moment. And Goran, I think, used the word that he was scared about that possibility. And it was a real possibility, but very interesting. I noticed this morning Novak was not wearing uh, the strapping on his hamstring and also didn't wear it in the match. And really, I remember having a debate with one or two people uh, on this topic. It did not affect Novak at all in terms of the results, in terms of his performance. Maybe in the one set that he lost, maybe it affected him then. Maybe his movement was affected or even just mentally, I think he may have been a bit struggling with it. But in terms of performances, Novak did not get affected by it at all. Uh, looking here from Georgia, by the way, I think Steph might uh, win it on one of the... Yeah, I do think as well that had that match today uh, been at Roland Garros, I might have given Steph more of a chance to win it. Um, but my feeling going into this was that it was going to be Novak's. I think I might well have said four sets. But I did say Novak would win this at the beginning of the tournament. And all the, the sort of 
things aligned. All the dominoes fell in place. All the cards fell his way in a way. He didn't need that. But going back to, let's say, one month ago, when Alcaraz says, I'm not going to be playing, I'm injured. That's one thing. The draw, the first two rounds were pretty simple tasks for Novak. Uh, compared to what it could have been. You know, you could be playing a, a, a Jack Draper. You could be playing um, somebody outside the top 32 who's in form, who could pose a problem. Somebody like a Lehetska, for example, in those first two rounds. So that was the next thing. Then Kyrgios also pulls out injured on the eve of the tournament. And of course, they could have been on a collision course themselves, I think, in the quarterfinal. Then, of course, you have, uh, I think, Sebi Korda as well going out. May have posed, posed a bigger pro, um, problem for him in the final than, than Pass did in terms of the fact that we saw them play in Adelaide. Also, maybe the final and most significant roll of the dice, if you like, that went Novak's way was, was the, um, the, the net cord. In that, if if Andre Rublev hits that return of serve, I think it was into the net, and Holger Rune goes on to win that match, or Holger Rune converts some of the match points, or Holger Rune, when serving for the match, manages. I think he asks a lot more questions of Novak than than Andre Rublev did. But then, to be honest with you, I think uh, most players on tour would probably have asked more questions than, of him than he did. However, we also know. Novak's invincibility almost in Melbourne at the moment that I suspect even if all of those things had have gone the other way and we'd had a fit Kyrgios, we'd had a fit uh, Alcaraz or Sebi Korda or we'd had Holger Rune coming up against him, almost certainly we still would have had the same result, which is a 22nd Grand Slam for Novak Djokovic. And I cannot wait for this season to continue. And I cannot wait to see Alcaraz back fit and firing, Rafael Nadal as well, Tsitsipas with renewed vigor perhaps. And I know in an in a interview he did with Vicky, the Greek journalist that we had on the show a couple of months ago when we were talking about Maria Sakkari, Stefano Tsitsipas said his aim for this year was world number one. And that still could happen at some point this year. He's going to have to get consistent and he's probably going to have to beat Novak once or twice for that to happen. But listen, let's see. It's going to be an interesting season and I cannot wait for the tournaments to come in Dubai, the Sunshine Double, and then my favorite period of the year, the clay court season. And one of the reasons I love it is because I'm in Europe. And so it means summer is on the way. Summer is happening from Monte Carlo through to Roland Garros. And uh, I'm all here for it. Will we see Novak get a 23rd slam at the French Open? Will we see Rafa bounce back? Will we see Alcaraz win his second Grand Slam? Will we see Stefanos finally get over the line and win his first? So many questions to be answered on the men's side. So much to look forward to. The women's side as well. Are we going to see Sabalenka go on a run now? She's already won, I think it is, 11 matches in a row. Is she going to extend that run? Is she going to do a sunshine double? Is she going to dominate the tour in a way that Iga did last year? Are we going to see breakthrough years for somebody like Maria Sakkari? Or uh, is Emma Raducanu or Leila Fernandez going to come back? Is Iga going to dominate once again? Is Anjabur going to finally get over the line, perhaps at Wimbledon or even Roland Garros? So many questions, and right now, so few answers. Let me know very quickly in the live chat, because we are nearing the end of the 20 minutes, 
or if you're watching retrospectively, let me know in the comments below how you see 2023 panning out. I'm now going to consult the poll and see where we're at. So I said, how many Grand Slams do you anticipate Novak Djokovic winning? And 60% of you think that he will win in excess or 25 or more Grand Slams. And on today's performance and his health, which I think is hugely significant regarding this question, and just in general, this could well be Rafa's last year. Could well be. I, I'll be honest with you, I, I just don't know. And I don't think Rafa knows. I think Rafa going into the French Open did not know. And I think Rafa right now does not know how many more weeks, months or years he will remain on the tour. I don't think Novak knows either. But it's kind of different with Novak. It's like, don't know how many years it could be. It could be two. It could be four. It could be six. With Rafa, it could be two, four or six months. But with Novak, it could be two, four or six years. And for that reason alone, he is now the hot favorite to win the most slams. It's now just dropped, by the way, 55%. But even if it drops to, to say, 50%, get voting in that poll, by the way, uh, and let me know your thoughts, either in the live chat or retrospectively, if you're watching this in a few hours, a few weeks, a few months, whatever. Get in the comments below, and I will try and answer those questions uh, or those points as and when you post them. Listen, it may not have been the most epic of tournaments in, in the way that I think probably the US Open has been recently, both last year and the year before. Uh, by the way, Eleanor there, thank you for that. Many thanks to you and all your co-workers for the coverage. Thank you very much for your compliment there, Eleanor, but also for your joining of the membership. So that is something, by the way, all of you can do. You can all join just like Eleanor did and a few other people have already done so. Uh, we opened it up last week. So you can join and become a member of the Talking Tennis community and uh, enjoy some of the perks that are on offer. Uh, Georgia, by the way, nice that you joined us as well. And I do hope I've said your name, name right. I'm guessing Spasic is the surname. Perhaps I'm getting that correct. Pronunciations in tennis, but also amongst the fan community can be tricky. Make sure you hit that like button. Also subscribe to the channel if you are new. And Congratulations on Novak Djokovic's 22nd Grand Slam and his 10th title in Melbourne. Commiserations to Stefano Tsitsipas. Fingers crossed that he will be back in a slam final sometime soon. To the rest of you, tennis world, thank you for stopping by. Sports Social Podcast Network.